So welcome to another episode of the WAN Manager Podcast. I'm your host, Greg Bryan, and this is the show where we talk to networking experts about the data services that make business possible. In our last episode, we focused on a specific case study about a network transformation and selecting an SD-WAN solution at uh, Borg Warner. So today we're going to pull back a little bit from that concept and discuss SD-WAN definitions and certification. So our goal here is to get a better understanding of how to define SD-WAN and how certification can benefit end users and, and managed service providers alike. And so for that, I'm very happy to welcome a true expert on this topic, Mark Cohn, who is the Principal Technology Strategist excuse me, at Spirant. Welcome, Mark. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks a lot, Greg, for having me on the podcast. Yeah, absolutely. So, Mark, you have an extensive background in SDN and open networking, um, and I thought maybe you could give us a quick review of your history uh, and then probably a brief intro of Spirant as well, because I, a lot of our listeners might have heard the name in the background but not be really familiar with what you guys do. Okay, I'll start with Spirant. We are the among the world leaders in communications tests across a, a, a pretty broad range of markets. Uh, our heritage has been in telecommunications testing, validation, and test automation. And um, we have uh, a top-tier customer base. We have uh, been in business quite a long time and are pretty entrenched in most of the largest operators in the world. And we're also emerging in the uh, the cloud sector as well, which is especially critical as we move mm-hmm. ahead into the the, the next uh, decade or two. Yeah, absolutely. And and for the rest of the episode, we're going to find out exactly what testing means, at least in the in the case of SD WAN. But yeah, how about also a little bit of of your background um, and and sort of kind of what you what brought you to uh, to Spirant? Sure. And as a uh, principal technology strategist, my role is to look across the company's core competencies to qualify new opportunities. The area that I've been focusing on, we refer to loosely as virtualization, and that includes software-defined networking, network automation, including network functions virtualization, as well as related technologies. And it's quickly and rapidly moving in to security and the cloud as well. Now, my background spans um, uh, over 25 years in the networking and telecommunications segments. I've held a range of different uh, positions across uh, everything from OSS and BSS all the way down to networking silicon companies and everything in between. Mm-hmm. And um, over the last 10 or so years, I've been heavily and actively involved in the digital transformation of telecommunications through the software-defined networking revolution. And uh, I've been involved in a number of the open standards as well as uh, open source projects. I've held senior leadership roles in such projects as Open Daylight, where I served on the board of directors. I was also involved in the Open Networking Foundation, where I became a one of the few ONF fellows. Mm-hmm. And then on top of that, I've been involved in uh, the Open o Orchestration Project within the Linux Foundation networking family of projects, which led to the ONAP. So I have a um, so I have a pretty I'm pretty entrenched in what's been happening in uh, in networking, at least in terms of the the 
networking meets software. That's the right. easiest way to think mm -hmm. about my mm -hmm. background. Well, and and that you know, network as code is kind of the the next uh, big move in the WAN in general, and and certainly broadly speaking, virtualization comes up on the show with almost everybody I have on these days. So it's <laughs> it's great to to get your uh, take on all that. Excellent. All right, so you know, we're gonna I think first talk about sort of um, you know changes in the SD-WAN market and, and how that's driven the sort of need for certification. So, so we at Telegeography ran an, an SD-WAN survey in quarter two of 2018. So going back a few years now and, and back then um, enterprises that had responded um, uh, about half were going with a, a fully kind of DIY solution vendor direct um, I expected at the time, and in, in this one case, my uh, my forward-looking uh, views came out to be correct, that that number would go down over time. When we updated that in quarter two of 2020, we found now that only about one in three had unmanaged service, and you had the sort of later adopters um, going with a sort of co-managed or fully managed solution. Um, and we were also, uh, at the same time, actually back to 2017, tracking the SD-WAN market itself, so the, the vendors. And, and back then, uh, you know, there were dozens of vendors popping out of the woodwork um, uh, with a product <laughs> called SD-WAN, right? Um, the, Mark, I, I'm sure you'll agree that, especially a few years ago, uh, buyers and you know, potential channel partners needed to look carefully at what uh, a solution called SD-WAN really was. Would you agree with that? <laughs> I, I certainly would. It's very reminiscent of what happened when, when software-defined networking was introduced, where all of a sudden the networking industry decided, we're software-defined software networking. And mm -hmm. there were no standards at the time, so right. it was very easy right. to lay claim to that without a lot of validation. And I see the same thing with SD-WAN. And just mm -hmm. a point about your research, I've also seen other analysts who've looked at this issue of, of whether or not enterprises have the, uh, the appetite to go to actually take on the overall responsibility for SD-WAN versus moving to a managed service. And, I, mm -hmm. and I've seen numbers as low as maybe one in four. Right. So I think right. it's even that trend is continuing. So just yeah. to reinforce the trend that you saw. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and I think we're we're now getting into the stage of SD-WAN adoption where you're you have, you know, sort of a lot more of of the the long tail folks who who aren't necessarily nothing against them, but not, you know, aren't necessarily the the really forward thinking, really engaged, super uh, you know, technology excited kind of uh, set, right? So I think that that makes a lot of sense, and you know, to to go back on on something that 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 you mentioned there with like you know SDN, same thing. Even though that was like a cloud kind of carrier technology, uh, at least as I understand it, right? Um, that it matters a lot of what services and features are actually enabled. Otherwise, you run the risk of when even when there's something that is truly groundbreaking and useful, it can get sort of polluted as a marketing term, right? Um, yeah. uh, so, you know, so you, you don't want it to fall into that trap, right? So, Yeah, and, then, and in the case of SD-WAN, it's um, if you look back to the time you started tracking things, 2018, 19, that's when we saw a lot of vendor proliferation of solutions. And again, once, you know, not to pick on any vendors, there were mm -hmm, no mm -hmm. standards, there were no right. rules. Absolutely. Right. Everybody was interested in, the softwareization of the network or the cloudification of the network. 
a term that I frequently ran into. And as a result, we what we saw is what we would expect. Each vendor is trying to position themselves and differentiate themselves. And what is that? What does that do to the market? Well, the poor enterprise or even operator, telecommunication operator, who's trying to sort this mm -hmm. out with dozens of vendors now and and literally hundreds of products. I mean, I have looked at the Cisco portfolio and talked to the Cisco team responsible for Cisco SD-WAN, and there's over 100 Cisco products that can support SD-WAN mm, now. Right. So it's a tremendous proliferation. And that's one of the reasons why we got to the point where uh, the largest operators in the world who had to deal with uh, even more vendors than most right. uh, decided that they needed to restore some order in the, in, in, mm -hmm. in the overall network. Great. So, so that, that sets me up perfectly to mention your shirt for everybody who's listening. Can't see you wearing, you're wearing a map shirt, which I really appreciate. Right? Um, or the, the artist, uh, formerly known as Metro ethernet forum. Right. So, so, uh, how can take us through the history there? Uh, cause, cause I take it you were involved at this stage. How did, how did MEF start to take a role in SD-WAN definition? Well, actually, I must admit, I uh, the SD-WAN involvement on the MEF predated my involvement by okay. about, mm -hmm. I don't know, a year or so. But, gotcha. uh, but considering how the standard was unfolding, I was definitely involved from the, the earliest stages. But right. in, in a nutshell, what happened is that the board of directors of the MEF, which consists of some of the largest operators in the world, companies like AT&T and Verizon, and Orange, and, mm -hmm. and the list goes on. And those operators who were thrust into the, you know, the high growth opportunity that SD-WAN represented, uh, all focused on managed services, were, uh, were in, in essence asking the MEF to go and explore what could be done given that this proliferation of products right in particular, it started to take a, a major toll. If you're a major operator and you need to bring on a new vendor, how much money does that really cost? Right. And then you got to support it over the long term as well. It's it, it adds up very quickly. And because the end users were empowered to be able to select the vendor solutions, they were not passive observers. Now they're mm -hmm. active partners with the operators. Right. That made the problem and exacerbated things even worse. So the MEF decided after looking into this that the, the, the solution was obvious. I mean, what does a standards body do? We create standards. <laughs> so, and because of the fact that we didn't have an SD-WAN standard, we had to explore the best way to be able to address that. And um, make a long story short, in uh, the middle of 2019, the summer of 2019, MEF introduced the first, the industry's first SD-WAN standard. And that standard at the time got a little bit of attention, but was it real or was it a piece of paper? And right. that's where stand, the, the, the rubber meets the road in terms of standardization. Mm -hmm. Are service providers and their vendors planning on adopting that? What can the standards body do to help accelerate that process? And that's where certification comes in. Gotcha. Gotcha. All right. So that makes sense. So, so uh, you mentioned middle of 2019, it's, it's now 2021 and the dust has maybe settled a bit on this, uh, you know, thanks to what the MEF was doing. 
could you provide for us right now on the on the Wayne Manager podcast a a definition of of the sine qua non of of an SD WAN service? Well, an SD WAN service is going to be based on a routed infrastructure. So to disappoint all of the vendors who believe that it's a layer two, it could be a layer two concept mm. as well. Mm-hmm. I think most that we talk to have sort of rejected that notion. So that's certainly one aspect. Right. Application right. flows is another asset. The whole concept of building an overlay that we can have application application connectivity. And then, of course, the policy-driven nature is the other key aspect mm-hmm, of mm-hmm. the SD-WAN service definition. At least it's been standardized by the MEP. But I don't believe it's only that. I think it is truly an aspect that is uh, that is adopt that, that actually has gained traction throughout our industry. And then the final aspect is the ability to automate as much as mm-hmm. possible. Mm-hmm. I mean, SD-WAN to many is about creating an abstraction so that no matter what WAN connections are there, what, what different types of connectivity requirements, we have a common way of actually managing the WAN infrastructure within an, an, an enterprise. Right. So, so a way of bringing the trouble tickets and, and the, the people sitting in the knock into software instead, basically. And, and also, yeah. does the operator really want to get into the IP addresses or the details and, mm-hmm. and, and specific configurations of an MPLS uh, circuit or on top of that, a, uh, an LTE backup? capability and mm-hmm. you know the list goes on and on and on it's the complexity that's one of the the key reasons why the managed services revolution really was was fueled is because first of all enterprises were struggling with that complexity and secondly the notion of trying to not only deploy a fairly you know a software driven service in a secure manner I think the security aspects mm-hmm. knock the decision over the over the line. Yeah, to, absolutely. To move it's... from the DIY to a managed service. Right, right. Yeah, no, that's a good point. Often, the the way that the story you know goes is that the the uh, SD WAN overlay frees up your options for the underlay, which is certainly true, but. Cloud was already there, leading toward uh, local internet breakouts, for example, and you already needed LTE for for backups in a lot of sites, and so so SD WAN was was also responding to that in a way, if if I understood you correctly. Exactly, the idea was to, whatever the WAN connectivity was. Why do the services have to look different? Mm-hmm. Why does the operator have to get in the middle of all the detail configuration that's at the the lowest layers of the network? The idea with SD-WAN is that you have this now new software way of controlling things. And, and arguably, it's the first real implementation of SDN. That's how right. many in the networking industry look at it. Mm-hmm. And that was the, the potential and promise of being able to provide not only a network that that was built upon some software functionality internally, but also this whole notion of being able to, to disaggregate the network as well. By providing mm-hmm. the pieces by with through these abstraction layers, right, and and that there hadn't been enterprise adoption really of of NFVs, uh, you know, really in in the past. So so this facilitated some of those same kinds of ideas, but in a in a much more consumable package, if that makes sense. 
Well, yeah, and then network function virtualization in general. Well, that was a carrier-based technology. The idea right. there was to try to virtualize the inner workings of the carrier network. That I mean, mm. the carriers couldn't. They they are already confronted with the cloud, and they were you know they were there was definitely a lot of complexity. Not just the cloud that that might be straightforward, but to migrate from the old, entire legacy infrastructure to the cloud. Mm. That's a much more, a yeah. much taller order. But but in the end, enterprises didn't really get involved in NFV. That that mm -hmm. that was that was really handled more by the operators right. in the in the carrier community. And now we're seeing the implications of that with SD WAN because almost every single leading vendor offers a virtualized solution, right. and that virtualized solution has to be integrated into some customer premise equipment or CPE device that mm -hmm. sits on the, the enterprise customer's facility and that they're going to have to somehow integrate into this overall network. Right. Absolutely. Or, or actually, shall I say service? I said network. Right. I meant service. Yes, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> You're Indeed, a service you provider. <laughs> Slap I, my wrist. It's yeah. Yeah. <laughs> It's hard to change that that deeply ingrained language, isn't it? You know? Yeah. Well, we always try, <laughs> and we use terms we use terms that are ambiguous from technology to technology, just uh, to confuse everybody that much more. <laughs> of course, that's the story of of the life of an analyst, definitely. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, okay, so so having sort of established those definitions. Uh, that's one thing, right? To say, here's how we as the MEP define an SD-WAN service. Then you have the process of, of vendors getting certified uh, within those definitions. So is, is that where Spirant plays a, a role uh, directly in, in terms of determining who fits the definition of, of uh, MEF 70 or whatever the case may be? Yeah, well, MEF 70 is the first SD-WAN standard. Again, it, it was uh, ratified in... I think it was July of 2019. Uh, several months before that, the MEF approached Spiron about uh, about contributing some of our technology and expertise into helping create the first software-driven service that would be certified. And that's quite different than some of the history of the MEF, which is one of the reasons why I think the MEF was receptive to looking at other, mm. uh, or at least mm -hmm. a new partner. Right. And um, what we did is then got involved, started working with the some of the leading service providers. We we started also working with the vendors to try to understand where you know how far the standard has really been adopted, and mm -hmm. how do you determine that? You go and test things. I mean, the vendors. It's right. easy for the vendor to say, and I'm not picking on vendors here. I mean, mm -hmm. we we work very closely with those vendors and have a a great relationship with them, but you know, it's very easy to lay claim to anything, but when you start to go into the lab or go into a, a field a operational environment and then have to test it mm -hmm. under those conditions, it's a very different story. And what we discovered from 2019 is we were creating the first MFSD WAN certification program is that the standard needed some adjustment or implementations needed adjustment. Mm -hmm. Vendors had to go back and and because of the either the ambiguous nature of the standard or some of the optional features or just the way that the assumptions were from either side, 
we had to all make adjustments in order to converge on, on, on a, a standard that could actually readily be adopted and right. that we could validate conformance against that standard. Mm-hmm. And, and that conformance offers the enterprise the end user the confidence of knowing that they have some basic SD-WAN capability that's common across all vendors. Right. And then they could evaluate SD, you know, vendors based on the value add and, and differentiating features that those vendors offer. Yeah, I was, you know, trust but verify, right? right. Certainly, trust as an enterprise, exactly. you know, you're you're talking to salespeople, right? And and the incentive structure is for them to to tell you, uh, you know, that that it, it does everything you want it to, but um, and and not that they're making things up or anything, but it's 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 good to be able to pull back and uh, and look at things in a, in a sort of objective lens, certainly. Exactly. And, and, and certification in, in particular has a number of different roles that various different stakeholders are looking for. I mean, for instance, mm-hmm. from the standpoint of service providers, they are certainly trying to differentiate their offerings. We had an oversubscribed pilot program because everybody wanted to be first. So we could only handle a handful of companies at the time. But we, it was great to see that we had validated interest in the certification, not just the standard, but the certification itself. And mm-hmm. then, of course, as we gained a little more experience working with these vendors and working with major operators, we, we started to understand better about what the role of a certified, not just product, but service as well, could play into the, the enterprise plans for being able to streamline the procurement, for instance, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. after looking in an RFI, if we know that these are MEF certified, even though we don't necessarily understand all the details, all right. the ins and outs of what that means, we know that there's a there's a consistent set of capabilities that we can expect to see from those certified vendors and those certified operators. And, right. uh, and that's particularly important. Now, where is it headed? Well, certification clearly is headed in direction and is the enabler for what we refer to loosely as multi-vendor SD-WAN. Now, this Mm -hmm. does not mean, Greg, that we would ever expect a time where we would take one vendor's endpoint and then manage that with another vendor's controller. That, That is probably not where this is headed. Not because that I mean, level of interoperability, just, yeah, yeah. Exactly, yeah. and that's why I was careful not to use the term multi-vendor interoperability. It's mm-hmm. multi-vendor SD-WAN. But what we could expect to see is islands of SD-WAN. You know, maybe mm-hmm. there's, you know, vendor one and vendor two and vendor three that the enterprise end user has to address because of the either acquisitions or consolidations right, or right. Or just mm-hmm. the fact that they're using different, you know, they're bringing together different regions of the of the mm-hmm. country or, or even internationally. And we're not going to see just one single vendor. So right. we need to be able to manage that in a more orderly way. And that's the direction that we, we expect for SD-WAN. That, that's actually what SD-WAN certification can bring into accelerating that move to a more orderly environment with SD-WAN. Yeah, absolutely. I, th- I think you made a, a great point there with, uh, you know, a- as as the 
enterprise WAN manager, IT infrastructure manager has a lot to do, right? There's a lot of things to think <laughs> about and being able to pass some, even, you know, you, you don't have to understand each and every one of these uh, sort of uh, testing and certification uh, bits exactly. You just have to n have some peace of mind that you're not going to encounter troubles down the road. And so, you know, it's, it makes that a lot easier, right? Exactly. I mean, think about the the obvious example. I've never seen an RJ45 not plug into a receptacle, but who can explain right, right. the 802.3 uh, requirements for the FI? <laughs> that makes right, that happen. Right. I know. Mm -hmm. I know. I can. I mean, I looked at right. it in a earlier lifetime as as a, when I worked for a silicon manufacturer once upon a time, a long time ago. Mm -hmm. I'm just saying we don't have to understand all the details right. in order to be right. able to benefit from the fact that there's a, you know, a solid and adopted standard. Yeah. So, so Mark, I wonder if you, if you could uh, take me a little deeper on, on the Spirant part here, just, just, you know, to, to paint a, a, a picture when you talk about sort of testing, what, what are you doing? Are you going to the vendor, setting up a lab, coming up with scenarios? What, what does that kind of look like from your end? Well, Spiron actually offers a very broad range of SD-WAN capabilities. And the way we like to look at it is that it spans the entire service delivery lifecycle mm -hmm. while traversing the entire SD-WAN stack. Everything right. from the app, well, at the, at the highest levels, security validation and efficacy testing through the application layer into the SD-WAN overlay or the service layer down to the virtualization layer, all the way down into infrastructure, which is the, you know, the traditional service for an operator. And then if we think mm -hmm. about the life cycle for that, that service, we are one of the uh, most entrenched companies in providing lab testing. So we provide a very broad range of uh, multi-technology lab testing that would enable us to test most of the different underlay technologies and to be able to mm -hmm. provide a, a simpler way by um, through automation of actually managing a, a, a fairly complex SD-WAN stack for testing in the lab. Mm -hmm. Now, when we move into deployment though, there's a different set of challenges. Sure. And MEF even recognized that by introducing a, a, a few standards that are focused on providing what's referred to as service readiness testing and service activation testing so that a operator or an enterprise end user can actually bring a site on board, run some tests, create what's called a birth certificate to validate mm. the, the successful completion of those tests prior to activating that service, prior mm -hmm. to, 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 to thrusting that service upon the user and forcing the end user to actually do the troubleshooting, do the which is exactly, right. exactly what the service providers wish to avoid. Right. They want to be able to find those problems as early as possible. And if they don't find them in the lab through exhausted testing, they certainly want to make sure that the configurations are proper and that there aren't any other issues in during the deployment time. Right. And then right. as we move in the life cycle into the, into the operational network, as the service is now running, it's then there's a, a, a set of new challenges that we need to address. Obviously, mm -hmm. one is providing the multi-layer troubleshooting. We have this SD-WAN stack from security all the way down to the various different underlays. How do you find and quickly identify and troubleshoot and isolate those problems 
so that we can minimize downtime. That's certainly one, right. one goal. The other goal, though, is to validate the service levels that we're going to be offering. Now, mm -hmm. SD, SD-WAN SLAs is a relatively new concept. Operators yeah. are, are trying to understand what makes sense to their enterprise customers. And mm -hmm. the industry going through this technology transition is, is still struggling a little bit to try to understand. And this is especially when you look at where is SD-WAN in 2021 and even moving ahead, because virtually all the SD-WAN companies are now talking like security companies. So we mm -hmm. have to be able to address yeah. those new SLAs as well. And Spiron provides a, a, addresses a number of different platforms and use cases all throughout that realm of everywhere through the lifecycle, as well as at different layers in the stack. We don't just provide a single platform. It's not completely integrated today, but we have a roadmap and we have a, a, a very powerful and flexible set of auto test on and uh, lab automation platforms that would enable us to deliver a more integrated solution to virtually uh, any size operator. Yeah, absolutely. So, so you, you brought up a great point I want to just touch on to highlight, which is that I remember uh, several years ago at, at a WAN summit, an end user was on stage and said, you know, what I really want is an application level SLA. And uh, for a long time, it, it seemed like everyone knew that that was what they were after, but it just wasn't available. But it seems like we are at that point where you can think about your SLAs more as an application feature rather than a network feature. Exactly. And if we think about that, what does that really mean? Well, that means that all the network testing that we do today, where we simulate traffic, we, we, we focus on, what do we focus on? We focus on latency. Right. We focus on throughput. I mean, we focus on the things we've always focused right. on. Right, the classic Is jitter availability. Really yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Does that work at the application layer? Of course it doesn't work. What we need right. is to be able to provide emulated traffic based on real world applications and, and application transactions that have significant impact on the network and be right. able to test across a end-to-end -end fairly diverse set of uh, network infrastructure right. to be able to provide that impact to the application, which is what the enterprise end user is doing. And, and in order to do that, we need to provide different types of testing. And that's really the key to what we're attempting to do in the MEF, which is to address SD-WAN, not just from the traditional, what's the latency, what's the bandwidth, what's the availability. I mean, all the things we typically do for the underlay, what we really need to do is to be able to provide a complementary set of capabilities that can enable this application transaction level of testing that we can use to pinpoint the impacts of these different network conditions on the applications themselves. Right. And then right. ultimately, Greg, we want to extend that into the secure environment. Mm -hmm. Once we encrypt, what does that mean? I mean, all bets are off with today's tools. So we really right. even have to think beyond just the application. Yeah, absolutely. That, that That's fascinating. And, and I have to say, as, as a non-engineer, it sounds like 
uh, very complex compared to to figuring that out for a, a, a network controlled by a single entity, right? So, exactly, yeah. and that's one yeah. of the reasons Siren assumes the role that we do. I mean, there's not a lot of other uh, companies that have the breadth of capabilities. That's not to say we don't mm -hmm. have competition. Of course we do. Right. But at the same time, the industry can turn to us to provide that expertise, to provide the different types of testing and testing methodologies that are going to be required for the multi-layer SD-WAN challenges across the entire lifecycle. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So that that was a, I think, a great picture of sort of um, the certification and testing and all that. But I wonder, uh, are there key, key things that we should be aware of that are outside of the scope of this kind of certification? Well, uh, in terms of testing, you mean in general, or yeah, in or in terms of, of in or? terms of yeah, certification as well. You know, things that that wouldn't uh, that that you know one should look out for that that kind of don't fit into what uh, what we can tell from what the MEF has been working on. You know. Oh well, there, the the one area that we have been particularly interested in, and we've been expending a fair amount of resources internally on, is what are the implications when we start to virtualize the endpoints? Mm. Or in other mm -hmm. words, what does the disaggregated SD-WAN network look like? And what we're seeing is that the operator's uh, receptiveness to considering white box implementations for their actual operational network infrastructure is changing the way mm. that that we think we have to we're forced to think about SD-WAN testing and uh, validation and and assurance and right. if we look at what does virtualization really mean it means that we have to be able to address the 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 how that virtualized network function or a cloud-based network function in the case of a containerized approach, how does that operate within the most limited quote unquote cloud environment? You, know, you think about a universal CP or a, or a white box server that is, that is actually hosting some limited number of these virtualized functions. How does that really work? How do we know how to size that? How do we right. know what the implications are if the usage of that SD-WAN endpoint in the virtualized domain actually changes. I mean, that requires a whole different type of testing methodologies that mm -hmm. can start looking at not only the network, but now you get into the compute domain, the storage domain, you know, the overall cloud domain. Right. So that's an area that we are looking at in particular. MEF has not quite addressed this yet, but that's not to say that they wouldn't going mm -hmm. going. I wonder uh, if if there's also issues around you know what's come up in in the past couple of, uh, year and a half, right? Uh, which is that um, with a virtualized solution, a software SD WAN solution downloaded onto a home laptop over a a variable broadband connection with changing <laughs> IP addresses and whatnot, is is there also some some issues to look into there in terms of performance assurance while you have all of these kind of remote uh, connections that weren't there when when this overlay concept was kind of being designed, right? So, Well, let's just say that a, a global pandemic uh, has a small minor impact on the overall yeah, network, indeed. especially yeah. considering like um, 
well, hundreds of millions of people just started right. moving from the office and went to work from home uh, <laughs> overnight. <laughs> Indeed, yes. So, so actually, and, and I think that's motivated, that's certainly accelerated the push for the SD-WAN community to mm -hmm. be able to address the security problems right. that, that, that the work from anywhere movement are, are, are really, that we're actually seeing and that, and, and more importantly, that IT management are, are terrified about. I mean, right. what do you do when you don't have a perimeter to protect? We have to change the model. And that's mm -hmm. how, uh, that's why the SASE definition or the secure access service edge mm -hmm. a term coined by Gartner. that I think many of your listeners, your audience is, is, is familiar with. Everybody's talking about, about it, it now for sure. Yeah. Everybody's yeah. talking about yeah. it today for sure. Yeah. How SASE is actually starting to emerge because SASE mm -hmm. is really addressing the work from home movement by mm -hmm. being able to first move away from VPNs. You know, right. move into a more scalable model by moving security functions to the edge closer to where those end users really reside. Mm -hmm. That's one thing. And then the second thing that it does is it up-levels the whole security discussion. So instead of worrying about IP addresses and subnetworks and physical connections, and once you're in, you're in, now what we're thinking, what the, the general thinking in network security is to move to a uh, a mode where the the user matters the context matters the application matters where you're accessing data matters mm -hmm. everything at the high level matters not the low level the low level can be anywhere right. and because of the companion to sassy a technology referred to as zero trust that's how we're going to address the identity issues that result right. from this because the two are sort of evolving in in, in tandem mm -hmm. And, right. and SASE and Zero Trust are going to provide a different level of security. However, when you think about the implications of this, we're going to start distributing security functions to the edge. It's going to be much more distributed than it was earlier, as opposed to a centralized VPN concentrator. Right. Well, now we have to make sure and validate that the security functions are not just performing as expected, but behaving as expected. Because mm -hmm. a a problem or a breakdown of a security function in the wrong and at the wrong place and in the wrong time could be disastrous. Right. So we have to think about a new testing methodology, you know, in the in that adapts to the new security architecture and environment. And the MEF is addressing that with a couple of new projects that they started last summer. And um, and they're already thinking about some of the testing implications. In fact, the the MEF uh, requested that we Spirant actually create a what was referred to internally as an incubation group. It's mm -hmm. the MEF Secure Test and Certification Incubation Group specifically to address some of the certification and testing implications of these new security standards. And we expect right. to see some interesting developments by the end of the year. This group has, has been in in play for maybe six months or so, but mm -hmm. hasn't quite yielded the outcomes quite yet. But yeah. it does indicate the priority that the MEF has to evolve with the SD-WAN market. Right. Mm -hmm. 
No, I mean, I, th- I think that's, that's really interesting because certainly talking about zero trust and SASE over the past year or so, it has seemed like uh, it, it was still almost too nascent, you know, to, to talk about as a, as an actual service, it was more of a concept. And um, uh, I think you might find yourself uh, if you don't have something like MEF stepping in, uh, in the same place as, as the, the SD WAN washing that we were talking about in the beginning of, you know, of course, every security company is going to throw the ZTS and SASE label on whatever they were already doing. And, and what does that really mean? And who really counts as, as, you know, solving these actual problems that I think that everybody would agree in the enterprise space that that is a, a question that needs to be answered right now, for sure. It's a, it's a major issue. It certainly is a major issue as we start to examine how to roll out a sassy based architecture with new security functions, not just the existing functions that were mm-hmm. there that are getting recast to be, become cloud native. I mean, right. some of them have been developed that way. I mean, there's a lot of moving parts. Right. And Greg, once again, that opens the door for a, a solid new and enhanced testing methodology to be able to help the industry accelerate that journey and acceleration mm-hmm. of the journey is really a lot of is wrapped up in almost everything that spirant does it's right. i mean what what's the point of testing if you can't accelerate and reduce the cost of rolling out and managing new services yeah yeah absolutely the idea is to to get new technology in the hands of of the users that is actually beneficial and works right so exactly uh, and time to market's everything so yeah. that we're, we're we're focused along those lines so mark this has been a, a really interesting conversation I, I appreciate it a lot um you know we've we've talked quite a bit especially in the security space of uh, kind of what you see coming anything else you want to add of, of things we should be looking for in the next couple of years well, I mean, what we can expect to see is the 5G rollout continuing to mm-hmm. gain momentum, mm-hmm. and um, and it's it's gonna it's gonna morph in a, at least a few different ways as uh, we we sort of move toward the standalone service. Another right. potential development, I think, is uh, is is the continued disaggregation of the overall network, and mm-hmm. I think that's mm-hmm. gonna present a lot of opportunities for cost reduction for enhanced agility, but at the same time, there's going to be some operational challenges that we intend to address. I mean, the whole Open RAN initiative, whether we look at it from the ORAN Alliance or the TIP activity, the telecom infra project activity that they have underway or probably others are going to have some implications, not just to those in the carrier community, but in any, you know, enterprise as well, especially as enterprise private 5G networks or private right. mobile networks mm-hmm. continue to gain momentum. So that's right. another area that we're keeping an eye on. Yeah, you know, that's interesting because one of the things I always like to ask anybody on the show who brings up 5G or whatever conversations I'm having, truthfully, is do you see 5G more as a transport alternative uh, or a campus uh, Wi-Fi replacement or a mixture of both? Uh, where do you kind of see things landing in, in that sense? Well, I, I think it has, 5G has the, it's the first technology or mobile technology that, well, 
wireless technology. I got to mm-hmm. pick my terms yeah. carefully, yeah. right? I, mean, I know, right? It's not mobile if it's yeah. fixed wireless, so, right? But, it, but it's, it's among the, the the first such technologies that has the potential to dislodge, you know, the wireline access services. Mm-hmm. Now mm-hmm. that doesn't right. mean that we're going to get, you know, gigabits like we could with a a, sure. a pond solution or you know various mm-hmm. other access technologies. But the 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 notion of good enough or we're going to mesh Wi-Fi and couple it together with 5G. That's not good enough. I think that that's going to be a serious contender for wired-based technologies. So mm-hmm. I, I do believe there there is that potential. But recognize 5G is a journey for, mm-hmm. for each of these operators. And it's on their own track. If you look at the number of different migration paths in the standard that are defined, not to mention the real world where there could be even more. It, it, it's pretty daunting to understand what the how this might work as, as you get to the, 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 the real vision of 5G, not just right. the, we have a 5G base station installed. I mean, that, that and, and we're, we're on our way. I mean, we have to give credit where credit is due. You know, the mobile operators, even COVID couldn't stop the 5G rollout. That mm-hmm. says a lot right there from my point of view. Absolutely. I mean, it's been so yeah. disruptive to everything else, but that's yeah. one area it wasn't so disruptive, or at least you just the operators were able to make that pivot and adjustment to right. be able to, to keep that rollout moving because it's happening all around the globe. Building new towers is an outdoor job, so had that going for it. Right? <laughs> so, yeah. Absolutely. All right, Mark, this was this was great. Thank you so much um, uh, oh. for joining us. How, how can people find you if they want to uh, check in on sort of what you're thinking about and doing? Uh, they can find me personally on LinkedIn. I, I don't have my own personal website, but uh, you know, you can look me up at Marcone and you can find enough uh, things around SDN or NFE and you'll, you'll, you'll hit me Absolutely. pretty, pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then you can certainly track uh, the aspirant activities by looking at aspirant.com slash SDN or excuse me, SD-WAN is what I meant to say. And then you can find out what we're doing there. And then, of course, we welcome everybody to uh, at least take a peek at what's going on in the MEF. Now, we recognize Mm -hmm. that you're not all going to be MEF members. No one, You you can't have access to everything. But a lot of your enterprise end users can actually even get interest. I mean, who are interested can find some information and even participate through the end user advisory group that the MEF has set up which is an outreach activity right. to enterprise. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Highly encourage uh, looking into that. So um, for anybody listening to this later, uh, for any reason, we're, we're talking in, in early July of 2021. Mark, I always like to close with uh, these days. Um, now that things are starting to open back up, uh, a lot of folks are vaccinated. What have you been missing the most that you're most excited to get that out, out there and do? Well, I got to admit, I've been, uh, after doing a lot of traveling with standards activities and events and the Mm -hmm. range of that, and then to shut down to zero after traveling, (laughs) I don't know, 125 or 150,000 miles a year, I look at it, I'm ready to go out to an event. And and I'm actually starting to gingerly plan for the events that are happening in Q4. So Mm -hmm. that's what I miss the most right now. Yeah, At least professionally. Yeah. And, then, uh, and then on the personal side, you know, it's it's been hard to adjust to the new normal, but, you know, we're making that adjustment. I mean, I think it's 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 like amazing to see that 
that after a year and a half, I could actually see my family because my family is spread out all over everywhere. Right. So that was, that was really nice as well, but I'm starting to see that, you know, that's, that's going to be more viable as well. You know, getting, getting everybody together because it's been impossible up to, up to now. Uh, yeah, my, my sons live out of state. My mother lives uh, far away. I mean, yeah. everybody lives far away. So it's been yeah. really, really hard. Absolutely. I never thought I would miss getting on an airplane, but there you go. <laughs> so. I, I'm not ready to go back to what we were doing, <laughs> yeah. Greg, but yeah. I think that yeah. I think that to, to go and see people at an event or two, yep. I, I, I'm actually looking forward to that. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you so much for for talking with us. And uh, I would love to catch up with you again sometime in the future. Yes, thank you, Greg. I appreciate the opportunity to to contribute to your podcast. And I look forward to keeping in touch for sure. Great. Thank you. Thanks. Cheers. Thanks very much for listening. The Wayne Manager Podcast is brought to you by Telegeography, a division of Primetrica Incorporated, and is edited and produced by Jane Miller. I wrote the theme song you're listening to right now, and we get administrative canine support from my dog, Honeybun, who you might hear chiming in from time to time when the mood strikes her. If you want to learn more about our data, head over to telegeography.com, where you can find our blog that covers many of the topics we hit here, and you can sign up for our WAN Manager newsletter. Until next time, have a great day. So guess what, folks? We got some big news at Telegeography, and that is that we just launched our WAN Forum. What is a WAN Forum? Well, this is a content hub and community for anyone involved in the management of a WAN or in IT infrastructure for mid to large enterprises. And it's got all the analysis and content that you enjoy from Telegeography related to the WAN, uh, plus some extra videos, some interviews, and some uh, special tools that we've designed um, just uh, for inclusion here, like our SD-WAN vendor selector, um, a high-level WAN cost calculator to give you some ideas of what market prices are. Basically, if you like the kind of stuff that we talk about on this podcast, and you're an end user, we think that you'll enjoy the WAN forum. And of course, this is a space meant to be shared, which is why a WAN forum subscription includes access for up to 20 members of your team. So check it out by heading to WANforum.com. We'll be adding some new tools, constantly adding new analysis, and announcing some upcoming WAN forum events very soon. So you want to make sure you bookmark that. That's WANforum.com. We can't wait to see you there and for you to dive in.